We live in unusual times, and we could have a plenty of reasons for that. But one of the reasons that we live in unusual times is we have more access to news all over the world than anyone in human history. Think about people in, in the medieval era. They weren't hearing what was happening in every part of the world. Think about people throughout all of human history. We are uniquely having access to this. But that doesn't mean that it's only positives, because sometimes that means we can make changes. Sometimes, though, it means all of these challenging news stories just add more and more layers of burden and frustration and sadness. And what happens is they all just start piling up. And so when you hear stories about uh, you know, when there's more mass shootings and you grieve at being able to see what it's like to see a parent crying over their child's death. Like, that weightiness, no one has ever had that access to seeing all of those painful moments. When there's health crises like these pandemics, like, sure, we get to hear about it, we can do research, we can try to figure out how to, how to stop viruses, but it also means we have to see what cities are like when they have to bring in mobile morgues. We have so many big stories that hang over our heads that I think most of us feel paralyzed. You think, well, what can I do? Well, I mean, what can I do? It's too big of a problem. And so today we've been working through a series, Empowered, where we're talking about how God empowers us, but we're going to conclude that story and that series by reflecting on what each of us can do in the face of such challenges in the world, in the face of feeling powerless, a face of feeling hopeless, what can we do? And so today we're going to look at how each of us can make a difference in our everyday life. We have the opportunity, we can do something, and how can we take advantage of the opportunities in our lives? And so to do that today, we're going to look at a story in Acts chapter 3, a story about Peter and John who are on their everyday walk, and they decide to do something to make a change for somebody's life. And so we're going to be in Acts 3. I'm going to read the first several verses for us today. The author writes, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, and at 3 o'clock in the afternoon... And a man who was lame from birth was being carried in, and people would lay him daily at the gate of the temple, at that gate which was called Beautiful Gate, so that he could ask for alms from those who were entering the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them for alms. Peter looked intently at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And as he fixed his attention on them, he expected to receive something from them. We're going to pause there. If you want to make a difference in the world, the first thing you have to do is be willing to look for where change is possible. If we shut our eyes off, you know, it's like, oh, the the news, the, the stories, there's too much. If I just close myself off from things, I'm not going to make any difference. So I can't just turn off my awareness of the world around me. We have to be able to look into what's in front of us. And it matters where we look. Now, people are really voyeuristic. We like looking at things. If you've ever been on a highway and had a slowdown because there was an accident on the other side of the highway, 
People can't help themselves. We're driving along, you're like, I wonder what this awful wreck looks like, and you're just staring. And that slowdown of staring as your foot goes off the gas and suddenly everybody is slowing down. Now you're thinking, well, everybody else got to look. When I slow down, I should look too, right? And some of us, we look at a very different kind of wreck and we like to watch reality TV. We want to see the drama, the conflict, the fighting, or maybe just celebrity news or whatever it is. We, we see drama and we can't help but look at it. We want to observe it. We want to see what's going on. But chances are, if you're walking down the streets, let's say you're walking down to get some food downtown and you see somebody with a sign who's got something out, maybe asking for money, suddenly we just act like we're real oblivious people. My eyes are going all over the place. Oh, I've got a phone call. Our eyes don't want to look. When you walk into that store and you see that salesperson who's ready to go up and make you an offer that you just can't refuse, right? And suddenly you're looking every which way. You're going down other aisles. We are very observant, but we also learn how to not look. Peter and John, though, in this story, walk up through this gate, and they see this man, and they don't look away. They look directly at him. So directly that they're wanting eye contact, and they realize this man has given up on eye contact. He's so used to people not seeing him, not wanting to see him, that he stopped trying. What's the point? If I try to look at this person, they're just going to look down on me, they're going to ignore me. And so he's just asking for money without even looking anymore. But Peter and John were not so distressed by the world around them and the problems that they train themselves not to look, but they look intently and they do that courageous act of being willing to see the problem in front of them. And so they look and they watch for opportunities to make a difference. If you want to make a difference in your life, you got to keep your eyes open to what's around you. Look for moments where there's need, where there's opportunity, where there's a chance that something might change, and don't hesitate, don't hide, but look at it. Be willing to open our eyes. There's something else that Peter and John do in this story. Acts 3.6 says that Peter said, I have no silver or gold. So he starts off by saying what he doesn't have. The good thing in the story is he doesn't stop there. Because you could just say, I don't have any silver or gold, make your way on. For so many of us, we have to learn not to fixate on the things we can't do anything about. So don't fixate on what you can't do. For so many of us, we have weaknesses. We have like, oh, this isn't my strength. This isn't what I'm good at. And it was like, well, then there's nothing I can do anymore. I, you know, I'm just, I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not fast enough. I'm not, whatever it is, I'm not personable enough. We have all sorts of weakness lists that we create for ourselves. And if we fixate on our weaknesses, we are paralyzed from using the strengths that we do have. And so for many of us, we think, well, if I even look at this problem, I'm going to see it and I'm going to say, I wish I could do something and then I'm gonna move along, because I can't do anything. For some of us, when we fixate on our weaknesses, it just creates more and more despair. If you've ever thought, oh, okay, I'm doing an inventory on myself, what am I not good at? Maybe it's around performance evaluations, reviews, or whatever situation when suddenly the critiques are more obvious to you. 
if you focus only on that weakness, you often are just going to end up really, really frustrated. And you're going to stop trying because you're like, how can I fix this thing in me? You know, the best case scenario, you work on it and you work on it and you work on it and you get mediocre at your weakness, but you never grow and develop the thing that you're actually really strong and really gifted at. Because I'm pouring all of my energy just into what I'm not good at, not what I'm not skilled at. And so Peter could have just stopped that day and said, okay, how do I fix my economic situation? And then coming straight back to this guy. But he says, okay, I don't have gold or silver right now. But he shifts the story and the conversation to something he does have. So if you're looking to make a difference, you got to be willing to look. You can't fixate on what you don't have. And then you got to lean into your strengths. And Peter says, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. Some of you might be fixated immediately on your weakness in the story and saying, man, I, if I said stand up and walk, I don't think it's going to happen. And if that's not my gift, I just feel like I've got to move along. There's nothing I can do anymore. We fall right back into that weakness. But Peter has a strength. He walked with Jesus. He got to hear all of his stories. He got to hear his teachings. He got to be there whenever these healings happened, whenever the multiplication of food happened. He's there when everyone was despairing because they thought Jesus had died. He's there when everybody's marveling at the fact that he had not been ended at crucifixion but lived again. And so Peter has this unique gift of, I, I have to tell you, who Jesus is and what Jesus can do. And for some people, that feels and seems and, and appears as spectacular physical healing. Some people get to be in the miraculous small percentage of people where the odds didn't hurt. You, your body recovered. Your body healed. Your body bounced back. Your, your physical situation changed. And for some people, spectacular healing might be social change. You know the people who were always really grumpy, who suddenly became joyful? People who were always really stingy, who suddenly became generous? There's a lot of ways in which spectacular change can happen. And we shouldn't limit ourselves and just say, this is the only box in which God can play in. This is the only box in which I can do anything. We have to be willing to look at what are our strengths, how can I be of help, how can I make a difference in this moment here and now. And Peter and John, they don't just do a miraculous healing and it's not just to make the person feel better, but what they do is they empower that man. If we want to make a difference, we can't hold on to all of the power. We can't hold on to doing everything ourselves because the problems are bigger than just ourselves. If you want to make any big impact in the world, you've got to get other people involved. You've got to empower others to be a part of that change. And in our story, Acts writes that Peter took this man by the right hand, raised him up, and immediately the man's feet and ankles were made strong. And what does he immediately do? He jumps up, stood, began to walk, and he enters the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. There's something really powerful and beautiful about saying, 
that this guy's feet and ankles were made strong. For our feet to be made strong, like we're mobile. If you're a parent and you get your kids' shoes on, you're not getting their shoes on so they'll sit still. You want them to go somewhere, to go out the door, to go be active, be on the move. And Peter and John, they heal this man not so that he'll just stay in that spot. But you have the power and the freedom to go wherever you wish. Where do you want to go? For so many of us, we want to try to empower someone and then try to like hold them back down. Of like, Well, here's the level of power I want you to have. I want you to be free of this, but let's not get carried away. But this man can't help himself. He's leaping off of the ground. I, I just imagine like skipping. You know, he just can't keep himself on the floor anymore. And when someone who has a gift or a skill that is cultivated, suddenly they're able to use that gift or skill, they're empowered, it feels like they can't stay on the ground. They're so passionate, they're so excited, they're finding some purpose in life, and they just want to go leaping around. And the natural reaction of those around people is usually to want to figure out how to hold them down. But what is it to be a people who want to empower people's ankles and feet so that they can move, they can jump, they can be empowered, and not to hold them back down? And so if you want to make a difference, we have to figure out how to empower others, not get in the way, but, but let them grow into who God has made them into being. When I think about you know, stories where maybe it's uh, somebody that hates their, their work and they're, they're struggling, and it's not that they're a bad employee. It's not necessarily that they're an unskilled worker, but they're just longing for that empowerment to do the thing that they want to do in life, that the feeling that they feel that they're skilled to do, that they're made for. And suddenly getting that empowerment to leap into that space, the whole countenance changes. Your, your demeanor changes. Your output changes. And so when we're looking around at people in our lives, we should be looking for people who have that untapped, they have that skill, that passion, that drive, that they're not being able to flourish in the way that they were made to flourish. How can I help you lift yourself off of that mat and go live the life God invited you into? And so this man is jumping around, and he goes with them into the temple, which is already a great start. He's going to go praise God. He's going to go celebrate who God is. I want to read for you what kind of follows an excerpt of Acts 3. So jumping up, he stood, he began to walk. He entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people who saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the one who used to sit and ask for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and astonishment at what had happened to him. And so while this man clung to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's portico, utterly astonished. When Peter saw it, he didn't lose his chance to speak. He addressed the people. Fellow Israelites, why do you wonder at this or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or our own piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and God of our ancestors has glorified his servant Jesus and a little bit further in the text. And by faith in Jesus' name, his name itself has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given him the perfect health 
that's in the presence of all of you. When we experience empowerment, when we experience this life-giving power, the proper response is to celebrate, to, to share about it. And I think for so many of us, we have robbed our own stories of power by not telling anybody. The moment where you were set free, the moment where you were enabled to live the life God called you for is this opportunity to share about God's power. And for so many of us, we just, well, I don't know, is anybody going to believe me? Uh, And we downplay our own story, and suddenly we act like there was nothing powerful that ever happened. And so we choose to act like our stories don't matter, like God hasn't done anything. And if we act like we've never needed help, everything's been fine, and you know that this is the easy temptation in church life is to act like I've got it all figured out, I've always had it all figured out, thanks be to God, but my story is one in which nothing has ever changed, I'm always at this current really great moment. All of that does is it just hides the powerful story of what God has done in your life how God has moved in your life, has changed you. And so we should be celebrating the stories of our, of our lives, of those around us, because it celebrates the power of what is possible and what God can do. Our stories could change the people around us. Telling our stories might change us even more. Because the more I tell my story, the more I'm reminded, the more I, I might trust and have faith that it can happen again. And so we shouldn't just stop when suddenly we've, we've got the experience, we've been empowered, we're, we're excited. You've got to tell somebody because they need to hear it. And so I want to know what would happen if we all lived this out, if we actually kept our eyes open for opportunities to change, if if we didn't fixate on what we couldn't do, but fixated on what we could do through God, and we empowered others and celebrated those stories, not only would your life be better, but those around you would be as well. We might find ourselves being more hopeful, more alive. We might find ourselves no longer despairing or feeling defeated, walking around through the world with hunched shoulders but alive with possibility. And so if if you feel like maybe you're at the temple gate on the mat and you feel like you've lost hope, the weight and the gravity is just holding you down, this story is a reminder of God's invitation that God wants something greater for you. What that looks like will look different to each of us, But God wants to fill you with abundant life and hope and purpose. And if you've never fully committed to that, if you've kept your eyes kind of like wandering around like God's the salesperson, I just encourage you to turn your eyes to God. If there's a person in your life that you see as a spiritual mentor who's who's poured into your life, I hope that you might just turn your eyes to them and say, yes, I'm here. I know you've been trying to tell me this for a long time, but I'm listening. Tell me. Tell me your story. Maybe it can be real for me too. Because I think life is worth jumping up for. God's promises are worth dancing with. 
And it's worth reaching up and letting God pull you up from the mat. Perhaps you are someone who works in a workplace. You might have coworkers who feel like they're failing, who feel like they're worthless, that they're no good at something. I encourage you to see them, not to ignore it, act like you don't notice, but to invest in their life, encourage them, help them find what they are skilled at, help them find what they are passionate about. And that might be in that employment, but it might be somewhere else. But we don't have to live on the mat. You might have friends who feel hopeless, who feel like they're just trudging, you know, just life is just this awful, just continual going uphill in the snow every day, both directions. People might feel that despair. Instead of ignoring it, instead of feeling bad for the person, look into the opportunity of speaking into their life. Find where your strength might meet their situation and invite them into something more. If we want to see people in our church environment and we want to see people's lives being changed, you can't just stare at the chair that's next to you that's empty. You got to look in your life and find the person whose life feels empty, who needs hope, and turn your eyes to them and walk with them and help them to leap and to skip and to jump. And if one of us did this, it would be beautiful. If we all did this, we would be a community of possibility, of hope, of life, where walking in doesn't feel like gravity is setting in, but it feels like you're walking on the moon. You got that little space jump to you. The ground can't hold you down in the same way. And it all starts with our vision. So I want to encourage you today to maybe ask God, say, God, tell me who I should be looking at in my life. Who do I need to see that I have been ignoring? Who do I need to see and not then quickly turn away, but lean into it? Not worry about where I'm, I'm not great. I'm like, oh, I, I don't think I can speak well enough. I don't think I can help well enough. Find where you might be able to speak. Find your strength. Find your way to make a difference in that person's life today. So would we be willing to be that courageous, braving person who's willing to look and to act to empower others and then not to ignore that story at the end, but to celebrate it, to keep sharing about it so that we might all be like that person on the mat that there were moments in our lives where we felt like we were held down, but now we are leaping and dancing with rejuvenated feet and ankles, with strengthened legs, to run towards God, to, to bring others with us on that journey. This world is not hopeless. All of those news stories are not more burdensome than God can lift up. May we be people who lean into God, who feel empowered instead of hopeless today. Would you pray with me? Lord God, I don't know what weights are holding people who are worshiping with us down today. I don't know if it's a weighted vest of, of health or finances. 
relationships. Lord, I ask that you might help us not to fixate on our brokenness, but on your healing and what you can do in and through us. Lord, I ask that we might not be a community, a church of consumers, but those who empower the people in our lives. We don't want to just feed ourselves, but want to feed others. Lord, I ask that you might help us to confess when we've fallen short, we've confessed when we've ignored those in need. But Lord, give us a heart that's cheerful in our generosity, that's cheerful in our empowerment, that's cheerful in our, our sharing of success stories about what you've done. Lord, help us to celebrate who you are and what you can do in our lives. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.